Tired of hearing the same thing over and over again? Frustrated with the social, political, and professional landscape of your community? If so, you're in the right place. We can tackle any issue or conversation if we approach life with the Reasonable Person Standard. And now, Dr. Bob. What's the Reasonable Person Standard, you ask? According to the dictionary, a reasonable person will look at life through the lenses of fair, moderate, not excessive, nor extreme, and typically that of sound judgment. Are you that person? Hey, thanks for joining us today. This is Dr. Bob. Today we're kicking off employment-related conversations. Now, in an effort to narrow this down a little, we're going to kick off this series with an element of the employment machine that is often overlooked, but fortunately is gaining some traction in today's employment landscape. Military spouse employment. For those of you that are serving or have served in our great military, and for those of you who are related to someone or who has or is serving, you know just how important this topic is. For those out there with minimal exposure to military family culture, this will hopefully increase your awareness of the challenges and amazing benefits typically associated with our military spouses as they navigate the complexities of the workforce. Now, time and time again, I have heard so many people share their challenges with me regarding military spouse employment. So for some background here, just so you know, I've had the privilege of serving as a leader and hiring manager for an organization that allowed me significant autonomy with who I would hire for positions on my team. So it's within that context, as well as my other experiences, where I came to many of the conclusions I'll draw here today. Beyond that, I've been engaged with our military and veteran population for just shy of three decades, so I've gained a lot of insight into the world of our military families. I'm also fortunate enough to have served alongside several military spouses in a high-pressure and highly productive environment, which has also shed some light on this topic. Now, luckily, I've reached out to a few of these rock stars, and fortunately, they were willing to collaborate with me on this conversation. You'll hear from them shortly. So here it is. Today's workforce is more competitive than ever. Number one, education is more accessible, which basically means the value of higher education has changed over the years. Like 20 years ago, having an associate's degree would put you near the top of a list, while today, the basic expectation is that you'll have a bachelor's degree and beyond for so many entry-level positions. According to the Department of Labor, 89% of spouses have some college education. That's significant. 30% of spouses have a four-year degree, while 15% have an advanced degree. Number two, more families are becoming dual-income families. And with that said, 92% of spouses, of military spouses, are women. And number three, more high school and college graduates are entering the workforce. So what this all means is that earning a position in an organization ultimately is harder than ever. Basic supply and demand here, this is what we're talking about. More people in the job market and potentially fewer jobs. So the last thing we need is to make things more difficult for each other. Now, I'm not suggesting lowering the standard for anyone, but we do need to look at what challenges are persisting for this group of amazing people. Let's look at more data. In 2018, 53% of military spouses participated in the labor market when compared to 76% of the general population. That's a big disparity. 13% of military spouses are unemployed which is approximately three times the rate of men and women nationally. Now, remember, this was a couple years ago. So due to the COVID pandemic of today, you know, that's obviously changed some things, but that gives you an idea relationally of where that market stands. So my question is, if military spouses in general have some college, 
have numerous real-world skills, and are willing to participate in the workforce, why is it seemingly more difficult for them in general to land jobs or careers over their non-military spouse counterparts? All right, so there's two ways to look at this. One are the barriers that hiring managers and organizations put up, and number two, the barriers spouses put up for themselves. Let's address the first one. As far as my professional journey goes, I actually applied for a job, and um, one of the requirements is that they wanted a veteran um, to be a part of the team, and I really struggled with that because I met every single qualification on that list in regards to higher education and things like that, but I wasn't a veteran. So I applied anyways, and I emailed the talent acquisition office, and I said, you know, I'm not a veteran, but I'm a military spouse, and I think that that holds a lot of weight as well. That was Mackenzie Rivers, an enrollment management specialist and spouse of an Army officer. Even though her persistence paid off and she eventually won that position, the process provided some confirmation that some military spouses may be looked down on at times. One thing led to another, and I ended up landing the position. Um, But that was one of the first encounters I had as a military spouse. Almost, I don't want to say being looked down upon, but being different for not being a veteran. While hiring managers should set prerequisites, should they be so quick to dismiss people who are likely just as qualified, and sometimes even more qualified? The reasonable person will screen candidates who they believe have the skills, competencies, and will be a good fit for the team, mission, and organization. Okay, the other thing I hear a lot from hiring managers is that military spouses move so often they don't stick around. It ultimately costs us more due to turnover. Bridget Miller, who is a higher education professional and a proud military spouse, said this. Generally, if you're hiring somebody and you're training somebody, that they're going to be, they're going to have the return on investment that you're putting into them for that training time. Um, But I guess my main concern with that is if you're looking at PCSing somewhere and you're going to be there for, you know, three years or four years or however long it is, how different is that really from the civilian counterpart, right? So we're no longer looking to hire people as hiring managers for 20 years, right? Like you're not coming straight out of college and um, going into the company that you're going to retire from anymore. That's just not how today's world works, whether military or civilian. Here's the reality, folks. The average time an employee stays in a job is approximately 4.2 years. And for millennials, it's even shorter, just over two years. The days of someone working for the same company for 25 years are basically over. Military spouses tend to stay at jobs just as long as their non-military counterparts. Beyond that, they have no control over when they actually leave a certain geographic area. Now, another dedicated military spouse and professional said, Um, I would say I loved your term legacy mindset Uh, because, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, I think technology has probably changed that mindset um, of people doing more of that job hopping every three or four years. Um, And somehow the the mindset of a hiring manager hasn't maybe um, shifted along with that. There's sort of still in that same mindset of, well, I know for sure that a military spouse is going to leave, but I'm holding on to hope that the civilian that I hire is going to be with me forever. The reasonable person would likely rather have a rock star on the team for three years than a mediocre performer for 10. Take it a step further. One of the core values of military families is loyalty. 
dedicated and loyal people tend to stick around, provided they feel appreciated and valued. You'd likely get longer tenure from a military spouse because of this one aspect alone. If you think it's expensive hiring the right people, guess how expensive it is to hire the wrong people. All right, so how about resumes? How much stock do hiring managers put into resumes? Since most military spouses move significantly more often than other people, and they often have to give up the pursuit of their professional goals, there can be gaps in their resumes. So how can they capture the real-world skills they handle so frequently due to their spouses being deployed or just, just for being away for duty? Such skills as handling the financial books, handling logistics for travel, moving, home buying, and many times homeschooling. What about the softer skills like adaptability, agility, multitasking, communication, relationship building? Most hiring managers would kill to have people like this, but how can they get past the resume screening if they haven't had the opportunity for gainful employment in the past? So I just think there's a really fine line between legitimate skills and fluff. Um, and a lot of the times you see both of those on a resume when people are trying to identify or, you know, explain gaps in their resume. Um, I know, uh, Bob, you have, in your workshops, you've kind of gone over the differences between something like a chronological resume versus a skills-based resume. So if you have a spouse that's worried about, you know, a, a three-year duty station gap where they didn't work the entire time, um, they're trying to get back into that field, maybe a skills-based skills, skills -based approach to your resume might be more beneficial. The reasonable person will look for highlighted skill sets through real-world applications instead of only focusing on where those skills came from. This helps shift the conversation to the other side of the coin, the barriers military spouses actually put up for themselves. Many spouses I have spoken with mention self-doubt when it comes to searching for and ultimately landing a job. Some feel as though there's a stigma, others feel as though their lack of gainful employment really takes them out of the running, and others just don't want to fail. And you know what? Those are all valid points. But I always tell people, make them say no. Look, the field is hard enough. There's no need to make it harder by setting up your own barriers. So here's what I suggest. Number one, create and understand your identity. Yes, being a military spouse is a huge part of your life and one you should be so proud of, but also consider that you may have a professional identity. How are you working on that? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to change the big machine. However, um, as you stated earlier on in this um, segment, there have been great strides in uh, military spouse awareness and what they can bring to the table. So um, who's to say that in six months, a year, um, we're going to have a surge like we've had with veterans that's military spouses. I think that's completely possible. Um, and I'm hopeful for that. And as far as, um, as a military spouse, um, create your own identity. Um, and I think one of the best ways to do that is, is LinkedIn. You can brand yourself however you want and you can run with it. So that's what I would suggest is, is using that as a good starting place. Number two, start believing that you can. You have incredible hard and soft skills that every hiring manager is looking for, and you have the ability and desire to be committed and loyal. That speaks volumes. Now go out and get it. My amazing wife, who is a veteran and considered herself a military spouse when I was serving, yes, I married up, offers this to all military spouses. I think we should celebrate the skills we have and promote them as valuable to a work environment. 
more people than not appreciate and recognize the talent and skills found in military families, especially from the spouses. Number three, disregard the stigmas and misconceptions you may hear and avoid comparing yourself to others. This is your journey, your passion, and your season. A lot of my friends, a lot of my peers, military spouses are um, just as qualified as I am to do certain things, but for some reason they're just blown away that I have a career. Um, and there's just a lot of self-doubt uh, in the community. And it seems like a, it seems like spouses almost, there's like a confirmation bias. Um, like they think they're not qualified to do something. They'll see people around them that are also maybe not working. You know, I, I know we don't want to use the, the term excuses, but I think it's more internal. It's an internal issue. Um, and as we get more vocal, talking about on LinkedIn, I mean, I don't, I don't even know that many spouses that use LinkedIn because they doubt that they can have a career um, or they don't even apply for jobs, things like that. So how can we ask hiring managers to take a chance on us when we're not making ourselves uh, visible? And number four. Never let anyone diminish your service to our country. We can't forget military families serve too. And it's because of our love and support of our military members that force readiness can thrive. Military spouses are a vital element to the success of our nation. Reasonable people take pride in the sacrifices they make for others. They will look beyond surface level misconceptions and stigmas and will not create their own barriers or barriers for others. But remember, at the end of the day, no matter who you talk to, no matter what you talk about, always treat people with dignity and respect. Well, that's our time for today. Thanks for joining us here at the Reasonable Person Standard. Our music was performed by Kevin McLeod, and this podcast series is produced by Jam Studios. Thank you for joining today's conversation with Dr. Bob. Be sure to check out what he'll tackle next at www.bobhabib.net. And remember... You can tackle any issue or conversation if you approach life with the Reasonable Person Standard. Be sure to join me next time as we explore the differences between equity and equality.